There is joy, there is joy in the house of the Lord today, is there not? Is my mic on? Y'all hear me okay? Yeah, we're good. All right, I have been reminded even today of why I love Sunday, why Sunday is the best day of the week for me. Here we gather as the people of God and the Lord delights to meet with his people. We meet as pastors to pray each Sunday morning before the service. Uh, 45 minutes before the service starts, and as we were praying this morning, God laid on our hearts those who are in conflict, marriages in, in conflict, and where there's bitterness or conflict between parents and children. And there's just this sense of God's spirit is with us. God's gonna minister as we gather. And so we had Jim pray during the pastoral prayer and we together joined him in prayer that God would be doing what only God can do, and that is healing and convicting of sin and ministering to us during our time together. God's spirit is with us, and we believe he will continue to minister to us through the preaching of his word. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. The beginning of a new year is a good time for plans and for uh, resolutions. It's a great time to set vision for the year, and there's an area here at the outset of the year that I want to envision us to as a, as a church family. My sermon title, what I'm calling this is the ministry of showing up, all right? The ministry of showing up. And what I have in view is the gathering of the church, beginning with Sunday gatherings, but also including community group and other contexts. There are two ways that we can fail in the ministry of showing up. One is through irregular attendance, and the other is through passive attendance. And obviously I'm preaching to the choir because all of you are here on this glorious day, and yet this is something that we all need by way of reminder and exhortation. I heard the story of a man who slept in one Sunday morning. His wife insisted that he get ready for church. He mumbled from bed, give me three reasons why I should go to church today. And his wife had uh, three ready answers. She said, first, it's Sunday, and it is your Christian duty to worship. Second, the Lord has been good and we should give thanks for his blessing. And third, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> you know, I, I heard that and I suppose that's a reminder that we all, every one of us, need to receive afresh the teaching of God's word as it relates to the ministry of showing up. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 19. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, through the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. May God bless the preaching of his word. In our home, in our family, we decided very early on that we want to be a family that, that does dinner together and that we want gathering at the table to be an event and to be an important part of our family experience. We have six kids, now ages nine through 19 years old. During the day, we go our own way, but then comes dinner time when we gather at the table. And at that dinner table, we have prayed. Uh, this week at the dinner table, we have watched the video devotionals that the pastors have done, um, expositing a psalm. Uh, at that table, we have shared updates on our day. We laugh, we tell stories, we try not to fight. We enjoy food, we share memories. We have conversation about God and his word. Regularly gathering is a reminder of our commitment and our love. It's a reminder of who we are. It's a reminder that we are family. The same is true for the church family and the Sunday gathering is all the more important. The author of Hebrews is concerned that Christians are not sufficiently valuing the gathering of the saints. He is concerned about the irregularity of their attendance. Obviously, he's not speaking to those who are unable to attend because of sickness or because they are shut-ins. Uh, he reminds them that, first, we draw near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. This is the message of the gospel. This is what we are all about. In fact, if you are not a Christian, my main encouragement to you today is not to prioritize church attendance a bit more because that will never save you. It is to go to Christ. It's to go to the one who shed his blood, the priest who has given us access and acceptance and forgiveness before a holy God. Christ died for sinners. Christ loves sinners. And then the author goes on, inspired by the Holy Spirit and reflecting the heart of God, he commands these Christians to prioritize gathering with the saints and commands that church attendance not be neglected. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. We do not gather to be saved, we gather because we are saved. And those whom Christ saved are a gathering people. The very definition of what it means to be a church is that we are an assembly. We are a gathered people. Um, I, I rejoice that so many of you excel in the ministry of showing up. I had an interesting experience this week just in preparing this sermon. Ministry of showing up, sat down, drafted the sermon as I normally do, went back and read it later and I thought, oh my goodness, I am coming in a bit too hot. Uh, on, this, uh, on this topic. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not, I kept in some of the spice, but a sermon doesn't need that much hot sauce, uh, especially when speaking to a church that so excels in this grace. 
And I began to think, and in fact, received some testimonies this week and was reminded of stories. I think of Willie and Tiffany Marshall and their family driving nearly an hour from Middletown, Delaware, not only for Sundays, but to serve in other ways. I thought of Rob and Jacqueline Troop, who when their daughter Bailey was first born and was in intensive care with her life on the line, Rob and Jacqueline decided to gather here on Sunday because, as Jacqueline said, I knew we needed to be there to hear God's truth and to be with our church family who loved us so well through that time. And she said church attendance has always been so important in our marriage and trial was not going to take that from us. I think of Jeff and Brianna Harvey who talked with me about the challenges of attending church with an infant, with someone under one, and how that usually means one of them being in the lobby. Jeff said, many Sunday mornings since our daughter Hunter Grace was born, we have decided to watch church from home, but we've come to realize the experience is just not the same. The worship, the fellowship, the feeling you get from being there in person is better in every way, so we will continue to choose attending church in person. He says, plus we have found that Hunter makes people smile when she joins us in church. And many other examples could be shared. Church, thank you for being a people who excel in the ministry of showing up. I believe God is calling us to continue to give attention to this area of our lives, to excel all the more in this grace. Hebrews 10.25 contains God's marching orders for covenant fellowship in 2023. The word of the Lord, don't neglect to meet together. Don't neglect this priority. If there is one thing you do, make this your goal. I resolve that I will not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Did you know, and it's, it's good for us to be aware of this, this is one of the blind spots of the American church in general and is, I am convinced, a weakness of many Christians in our day. I would say that this command identifies one of the greatest weaknesses and areas of sin in the lives of many Christians today. It's interesting, you can talk to someone who is, I don't know, say over 50 years old and who grew up going to church, I was talking with my parents recently, and you will discover that the gathering was assigned a much higher priority. I talked to my parents about what church was like growing up, and they were explaining how basically no one ever missed on a Sunday, and how no one was ever late for church. Uh, but what was once unthinkable has in some ways become the norm for Christians today. I want us to be aware of this weakness in the church of Christ today so that we can not just be counter-cultural but in some ways be counter-Christian cultural in how we relate to this priority. I was reflecting and I think there are several reasons that this command poses a great challenge to us. First, we all want to be gracious and not legalistic. Like that's a life goal that I have. 
Be gracious, don't be legalistic. But one of the ways that can play out is that we are all very good at extending grace to others and perhaps especially extending grace to ourselves when we neglect gathering for any reason. I think for the overwhelming majority of us, the tendency is not going to be legalism in relation to gathering, but will be the challenge of licentiousness. Uh, Second, larger churches like us, I believe, are vulnerable to this weakness. You can have the thought that no one will really miss us if we stay home. And it's so easy to adopt a mindset where we don't see our arrival as part of our service, as part of our ministry, as part of our worship. Third, it's easy to have a low view of gathering in a digital age. We think that we can do church digitally. We think that we can experience preaching on a screen. We think that we can experience community on a screen. We think that we can experience all of life through a screen. And we fail to realize that all of the most important things about the Christian life are embodied. Fourth, there's the busyness of our schedules. I'm just talking about the challenges we face as we consider this command in verse 25. There is the busyness of our schedules. Kids' sports, parties, work deadlines, a late Saturday night, relatives in town, a full week, needing to catch up on sleep, needing to prepare for things later that day or the following week. The pace, the the fullness of life, the sheer exhaustion of it all does, I am convinced, present a great challenge to the priority of the Sunday gathering. And then fifth, I would identify this, in fact, as the the primary reason for this concerning modern Christian blind spot is simply a flawed ecclesiology. And by that, a doctrine of the church, what I mean is a low and unbiblical view of the vital importance of the church and of the gatherings of the church. So I want to proceed here with three points. First, the local church is the most important institution in the world. That needs to be our starting conviction when we consider this command. The church is the most important institution in the world and ought to have a primary place in the Christian life. Did you know the church is the most valuable thing on earth? Acts 20, 28 speaks of the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. All other institutions, whether it is family, school, business, or other ministries, are not central to the Christian life the way that the church is. The most important Christian activity in our lives is not the things that we do in the realm of family or vocation or politics. All of these are important. This is not to minimize the importance of those things. But none of them compare with the church. None of them are an embassy of heaven. None of them are the kingdom of God on earth. On March 22nd, 1981, John Piper preached a sermon called The Cosmic Church, and he began that sermon with some beautiful words. I may have shared this before. I absolutely love it. Here's what Piper says. The church of Jesus Christ is the most important institution in the world. 
the assembly of the redeemed, the company of the saints, the children of God are more significant in world history than any other group, organization, or nation. The United States of America compares to the church of Jesus Christ like a speck of dust compares to the sun. The drama of international relations compares to the mission of the church like a kindergarten riddle compares to Hamlet or King Lear. And all pomp of May Day in Red Square and the pageantry of New Year's in Pasadena fade into a formless gray against the splendor of the bride of Christ. He exhorts us, take heed how you judge. Things are not what they seem. The gates of Hades, the powers of death, will prevail against every institution but one, the church. Lift up your eyes, O Christians. You belong to a society that will never cease, to the apple of God's eye, to the eternal and cosmic church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I see you, Piper. I see you throwing down. Glorious, eloquent statement of this truth. The local church is the most important institution in the world. And that has so many implications. I'm just unpacking one in this sermon. But the importance of the church is why we give generously and faithfully. It's why we serve. It's why it's so essential that every Christian commit themselves formally as a member of a local church. It's why we pray for the church. It's why we, we make the church central in our lives because God has declared the church to be central in his plans for history and in how the gospel advances in this world. The local church is the most important institution in the world. Second point, gathering on the Lord's day is a mighty means of grace. When we think about the gathering, I would hold out not primarily duty, though yes, there is a Christian duty, but I would hold out the great category of privilege. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Gathering on the Lord's day is a mighty means of grace. So scripture not only emphasizes the importance of the church, it emphasizes the gathering of the church as the most important thing we do. That is why God says we must not neglect to meet together. And you notice in the text, the opposite of neglecting, not neglecting to meet together is encouraging one another. So when we fail to gather, we rob ourselves of the opportunity for encouragement. We rob others of the opportunity to be encouraged by our presence, and we rob ourselves of the opportunity to be encouraged by others. Yes, I can listen to music on the radio or on Spotify. I can listen to John Piper and Tim Keller preach. But when I stay home, I can't be greeted by Dominic, I can't hear Wendy and her kids singing behind me. I can't be encouraged by Aaron's faithful service in sound or see Karen serving those in need. I can't hear Jack's amen when I'm home during a sermon. I can't give Henry a hug. I can't greet Tom whose life has been so radically changed by the gospel. I can't look across from where I sit and see Mike and Donna wholeheartedly worshiping the Lord. All of this can only happen when I gather. I can't 
greet a first-time visitor or take a moment to pray for someone. It only happens when we gather. We all need the encouragement that comes from gathering on this most joyful and important day of the week. We all need to receive this means of grace. David Mathis says this. He says, corporate worship is the single most important means of grace and our greatest weapon in the fight for joy. And I wonder, this is a theological point. I wonder how many, you say, what's the most important discipline in the Christian life? I wonder how many might say private prayer, uh, reading the scriptures every day. All these things are important, but not the most important. The most important is the corporate worship of the church, the gathering. That's the most important means of grace. That's our greatest weapon in the fight for joy. And Mathis explains why. Because like no other means, corporate worship combines all three principles of God's ongoing grace. His word, prayer, and fellowship. It happens when we gather. And consider this, when we gather, we are uniquely encouraged because we uniquely encounter the presence of God. Christ said that where two or three are gathered, there he is with them, meaning that there is something mysterious and glorious that happens regarding the presence of God. Yes, he is everywhere present, but we're talking about a heightened sense of his presence. We're talking about the greater blessing that he has for us. It happens when we gather. And so Donald Whitney says, God will manifest his presence to you in congregational worship in ways you can never know, even in the most glorious secret worship. And this is why not gathering for that period of time during COVID was absolutely devastating to me and to so many of us. We feel the loss. We know the loss. We know that God manifests his presence in congregational worship in ways we will never know apart from gathering. Someone, someone said this, I love it. Someone said that watching, and so all the qualifiers about live stream, it can be a wonderful blessing, et cetera, et cetera. Someone said this, watching church on live stream is like watching a fireplace on a screen. You can, you can see it, but you can't feel the warmth. Nothing's better than gathering. And, and you can't get the warmth from your home. You need to gather to experience the warmth. And God is so eager to encourage us and to meet with us as we gather this year. There's a reason that I wanted to put this message toward the beginning of the year, and that is to have it mark for each one of us 2023, to have this priority in place, to realize a sense of the glory of the church and the mission that God has given us, to recognize the importance of gathering, especially on the Lord's day, and to have that change the way that we approach our gathering. J.I. Packer says, we must never let our Sundays become mere routine engagements. In that attitude of mind, we shall trifle them away by a humdrum formality. Every Sunday is meant to be a great day. And we should approach it expectantly in full awareness of this. Every Sunday, it's meant to be a great day. Every Sunday, God is doing something. And so friends, build your week around the priority of this day, of this moment. Say no to other things if needed. Approach this day expectantly 
anticipating to experience the power and presence of God in our gathering. No moment of the week is more important. That leads to our third and last point, and it's this. The great mark of a healthy church member is showing up. All right, the great mark of a healthy church member is showing up. What I mean by that is if you were to approach me and ask, hey, Jared, uh, how can I be a good and faithful church member? First, I would say that is a fantastic question and be greatly encouraged by it. But I would want to say in response to that question, as my first response, it would be this. Do what you can to devote yourself to the ministry of showing up. Consistently, punctually, and expectantly as an expression of your love for God and for his people. Do what you can to be a healthy church member. Do what you can to devote yourself to the ministry of showing up. Excel in the ministry of showing up. Everything else flows from that. The most basic and fundamental way we express our commitment as members is by showing up. And this is the reason that this category and command is the very first point in our membership covenant. Where we say we will not forsake assembling together, but will faithfully attend our corporate worship, treasuring our church's weekly opportunity to sing, pray, and receive the whole counsel of God's word. I thought about it like this. If there's, if there's one thing in your week that you don't want to be late for, if there's one thing in your week that you want to prioritize, I can tell you on the authority of God's word that it ought to be the Sunday gathering. Nothing is more important. Fathers, I want to exhort you to lead your homes, lead your family in this area. I always tell parents, because sometimes I interact with parents who just feel like, oh, we're not doing anything in the realm of discipleship. I feel that we're failing as parents. One of the things that I say, well, here's one of the most valuable things that you can do in spiritually discipling your children and preparing them for life in this world is to instill in them a sense of the non-negotiable priority of the Sunday gathering and other meetings of the church. In other words, raise your kids in a home where what we do on Sundays is we go to church. Uh, build in, make the gatherings of the church a non-negotiable fixture that everything else is planned around. In other words, you don't say, well, we're not going to church because we have this later in the day. I can assure you, whatever you have later in the day that you may feel you need to prepare for is not nearly as important and is not sufficient reason to neglect the gathering of the saints. Nothing is more important. Make this the first and most basic mark of following Christ. And I'm exhorting us to apply this conviction, not only uh, this, this ministry of showing up, not only to Sunday morning, but to community groups and to other gatherings of the church. D did you know, and part of it, I just want to appeal to a bit of a study of church history on this point, but you can see it even in the book of Acts and in the early church. They met together so much more frequently than we do, and I believe that in no small part explains the power of the early church. And yet at the same time, I have 
observed in our generation that some of us struggle to make it to a relatively small amount of meetings. There have been many churches in centuries past that have had numerous evening meetings each week, right, for the church. Numerous evenings each week, and it is only very recently that we have been captivated, taken captive by the ungodly idea that a few midweek small group meetings a month constitutes a major commitment and sacrifice. I'm saying that's not the way to think about it. I'm saying it's not a big ask. I'm saying it's not a major, I'm saying it's the very smallest baby steps of Christian commitment to the church. If we can't do this, what does it say about our lives? What does it say about our spiritual condition? What does it say about our love for God and his people? I told you I left some of the hot sauce in. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Author Tony Payne says this, Talking about the Sunday gatherings, he says this, one of the most important acts of love and encouragement we can all engage in is the powerful encouragement of just being there. I'm gonna read that part again. One of the most important acts of love and encouragement we can all engage in is the powerful encouragement of just being there. And you know, if you've ever led something, if you've ever thrown a party, if you've, you know the encouragement that comes from, from people just showing up. To me, it's a miracle every Sunday. They all come back, you show up. When I say thank you for being here, which I thank hundreds of you every Sunday morning, my heart is so grateful that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for not neglecting to meet together. One of the most important acts of love and encouragement we can all engage in is the powerful encouragement of just being there. And he says, because every time I walk into church, I love this picture, I'm wearing a metaphorical t-shirt that says, God is important to me and you are important to me. And on the back it says, and that's why I wouldn't dream of missing this. Similarly, says Tony Payne, when we stay away for no good reason, one week out of three or more, we send the opposite message. None of the important things God has for us to do in church each week can happen if we're not there. We can't love people. We can't talk to them and encourage them. We can't gather with them to listen together to God's word. All of this hangs on the rather simple prerequisite of actually being there. The ministry of showing up and it results in such powerful encouragement that God has for us and it's why he gives us this glorious and important command. Recently, a dearly loved and respected member of our church shared with me a story related to his own commitment to the ministry of showing up in the midst of overwhelming difficulty. It was Andrew Adams. And as Andrew shared with me part of his story, I found such encouragement in his example. I asked Andrew if he was up for sharing that with all of you, and he kindly agreed. And so let's welcome Andrew as he comes to share with us.
Okay, so thank you for praying for me. I know many of you have been, and if you haven't, start right now <laughs> and keep praying. Thank you. Uh, Laura and I may have been the first, actually, to use live stream here at Covenant. We were already in Florida for a couple months in the early fall of 2019. It's not that long ago, remember that, where she had received uh, what medically, anyway, was held out to us as perhaps the only hope of a cure for her deadly blood cancer, a bone marrow stem cell transplant. It, in and of itself, was a death-defying procedure, which included what they call myeloablative, high-intensity chemotherapy. This is doses of chemo that reach the innermost cells of your body down into your bone marrow, and then you receive more doses of chemo that reach the outermost uh, cells of your body from your head to your toe. <laughs> For those of you that were with us or knew us at the time, you know how proud Laura was of her beautiful bald head. At times during that, it was difficult for her to get out of bed, let alone even walk. And during those four-plus months that we were in Tampa, Florida, near the Moffitt Cancer Center, we were longing to be in this room, together with all of you on Sunday mornings. And yet, as I mentioned a minute ago, in God's kindness... In the midst of that season, we received a text from one of the pastors letting us know that they were beginning to test live, stream, live streaming the service. Um, <clears throat> we were told this was something that would not yet be advertised as they were only in testing mode, but they wanted to let us know that we could take advantage of it. And of course, the very next Sunday, we successfully logged in. Remember, this was before anyone ever heard, or most of us anyway, uh, Wuhan, China, let alone COVID-19. Laura essentially bound uh, to a bed in a strange room in Florida, and suddenly it felt like we were beamed into this room. It was novel. It, it felt like a little miracle, seeing so many of you and the pastors preaching there right in front of us live, not a recording. It was beautiful, a beautiful, simple, amazing use of technology. It brought us close to home and, in a sense, back to our church, in a sense, into this very sanctuary. It was and remains to this day a good thing when needed, by the way. Hi, Mom. I love you very much. I'm looking forward to you being here with us on Sunday, if you're able and feeling better. For those of you that know Peggy, pray for her. Uh, but I also want to share with you that from the second we arrived back in Pennsylvania, and every Sunday that Laura was able, she came here. This was the beginning of 2020. She came here in person to this room, not live stream, but live and in person. She wanted to be here and she intended to be here, and she was here. 
Yes, she came here just as soon as restrictions let up, and she was allowed back in. She came, she came here, cancer and all, every 28 days, starting a seven-day cycle of chemotherapy still. Yes, she used a cane to walk, to help her walk, after the disease and chemo destroyed her hips. She wore a mask when she needed to. Still taking the chemo, she was here in person. She plowed her way through more obstacles than most of us would ever have to, and she showed up. Uh, yeah, that's Laura's testimony. Um, try to beat it. Um, <laughs> it was about... Um, It was about four months after Laura had passed. It was a Saturday night. Um, it was like a lot of nights, honestly, and still. Uh, I, I didn't set my alarm, and by the time I actually crawled into bed, it was well into the wee hours of the morning. I'd spent most of the night sitting in the dark across from the, across from my bed and just crying out to God, asking for help, tracing back across memories. And, trying to recall conversations. I was trying to figure out what to do, trying to put together little bits and pieces of me that were left, still not sure who I was anymore, and looking at that empty bed, I wanted to climb in and go to sleep, but unable to do either. I didn't set an alarm, and... Um, just had a well-intentioned wish that somehow my body would wake me up in time. Finally, the sun shining on my face, I did wake up. I looked at the clock, and I sat right up. And then I stood up, and then I said out loud to no one's ears but my own, standing there by myself in my room, I am going to church. Well, <laughs> I glanced back at the clock, and it was 10 a.m. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I was still in bed when all of you were gathering to worship. But I did. I stood up that morning, and I stepped in the direction of this room. It was not easy to get here. I turned around a couple times. <laughs> But it was the one simple thing I could do and needed more than anything to be with you. Arriving as late as I did, I walked through the lobbies, still debating on whether I would actually walk into the service. Who do I see but Maria Mihalik? <laughs> yeah. Walk this road. Walking this road before me. Maria was holding her grandchild. And while she was doing that, she was consoling me. She was comforting me in my grief. She was encouraging me. And she ended with, Andrew, you should go in there. This is a good sermon. You should go in there. I remember thinking, she's holding her infant baby, granddaughter, child, taking care of them. Like, what does she know? But, you know, she's in the lobby. She said it again, Andrew, you should go in there. When Maria tells you to do something three times, you obey. 
And so I did. I sat next to my friend, Doug Hayes. Doug blocked the aisle seat to keep me from running out. <laughs> I was deeply affected by the story of Ruth and Naomi. As Jared preached from Ruth 1, I ended up being prayed for and crying inconsolably, my weakness on full display, surrounded by hundreds of my best friends. I'm very grateful that God drew me here that Sunday, as he does every Sunday. This was exactly where I needed to be, together with all of you. And finally, I'll just close with if my own example of showing up almost an hour late is too shabby for you. I totally understand. Do me a favor. Follow Laura's example, please. She would be here if the roles were reversed. She'd want be here, wanting to be here, and she would be here. For those of you that knew her, and if you saw her, you'd want to say, oh, let me get over there to say hi to Laura to encourage her. And when you got over there, she'd start talking before you did and asking you questions about you and your kids and your family. Before you ever had a chance to get a word in edgewise, she'd be encouraging you. You know that. She'd also be lingering here long after the service and I'd be out at the circle in the car waiting for her. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. So that's it. My dear wife set this example well. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Andrew, Andrew, brother, thanks for getting out of bed. Not just on Sundays, but every day. It is... It is an extraordinary evidence of the grace of God on your life that in the midst of such overwhelming sorrow and grief, just that, that picture, ever since you shared, I can't get it out of my head, you sitting up and saying, I'm, go I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And I thank God for your example. We thank God for your example. Thank you for honoring Laura. And thank you for the, the example that you are in your love for the Lord and for your love for this church family. We love you very much, brother. Thank you. I want to invite the band forward as we close, and I do believe after that I don't have much more to say. Um, but I do want to, to remind us of this, brothers and sisters, what a privilege we have. What a privilege we have week after week to gather 
by the blood of Jesus Christ to gather with the people of God, to gather with those who are rejoicing and to gather with those who are grieving, to gather with those who are experiencing the blessings of life and to gather with those who are experiencing the sorrows of life, to gather and to praise the name of our God and to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I, I just want to say, let's have 2023 be the year we show up. Can we do that? Come, come when you don't feel like it. Come when the weather isn't perfect. Come when it inconveniences you. Come when you are tired. Come when you're not in the mood. Come when you would rather have the time to yourself or get something else done. Resolve that you will devote yourself to the ministry of showing up. And as we do this, let's get ready for God to move in extraordinary ways. Don't underestimate the impact mere regular attendance can have in your own soul and in the lives of others. Just consider the many, the countless many, we are among them who have been encouraged in this room on Sunday mornings, who have experienced what we ourselves have experienced here today. Consider the many who have encountered God so powerfully in this place, the many who have been refreshed, the many who have been encouraged, the many who have been comforted. Think about this, consider the many who have been saved by the grace of God in this very room on Sunday mornings. Eternal destinies being transformed as a part of what God is doing in the context of our gathering. What a powerful witness it is to any unbeliever who walks through those doors to see a room full of people gathered with anticipation, leaning in to receive the call to worship and praising God with one voice. Friends, God is worthy of our lives. God is worthy of our devotion. And so let's worship him this year by not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another and encouraging one another all the more as we see the day of our Lord's return drawing near. That day when we together as the people of God with saints who have gone before us with saints who are now in the presence of Christ worshiping them, when we all together with one voice lift an anthem of praise to the God who has saved us. Our gatherings anticipate that coming day. Our gatherings remind us that this world is not all there is. Our gatherings remind us that the Lord will return in glory. And we together as his people will worship him as one. Every song we sing anticipates the song we will sing around his throne. Let's gather and let's stand now and sing praises to our God who is worthy to be praised.